It's Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 is what we've been looking at from the Bible. Um, This has been our theme verse for these last eight weeks. Simply says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. In this verse, we get a picture of heaven and what it's like. And this idea that heaven is an arena full of witnesses. It's an arena full of people that have run the same race that we're running, dealing with many of the same problems that we dealt with, and they're cheering us on from the stands now. Like that they're standing there if, if, just in an arena cheering for you and for me to be able to persevere in the race of life. Well, last week we looked at Jacob and what we do whenever life is ugly at times, what we do when we don't understand about what happens to us in life. This week we're going to look at the prophet Jonah. Jonah in the Bible is known for his bad choices. Sometimes it seems like those who have messed up the worst can teach us the most. You see, every one of us in this room have made some bad choices. I saw this this week, some pictures of some people who had made some bad choices. And here's the first one that I'd seen that this person thought they could handle all of this load on their car and it didn't work out so well. They should have paid the $29.99 for the U-Haul truck, but they didn't, you know. I wonder about the employee at the hardware store that loaded them up this way. But anyways, uh, I, I thought about this guy that was had a perfectly good idea to, I'm going to get out there and fix that air conditioner, you know? And then he's like, well, how am I going to get back? You know, what am I going to do? Or, or these guys that were fixing the air conditioner and they're really praying that that guy's pants are on very tight because uh, he's going to be pantsless and dead if, he, if they let go of him. Uh, here's this one. I saw somebody, I don't know how this happened, but they got their cell phone, and I don't know if they were trying to charge their cell phone in the microwave or what was taking place, but it was not a good decision. And I love this. was probably my favorite. Um, this, this person got a tattoo. And I'm sure they were trying to say no regrets, but the tattoo says no regret. <laughs> I bet they have some regrets about that (laughs) tattoo. You know, we've all made bad choices. I believe if Jonah was here today, he would give us this life principle from his story. It would simply be this, that when you've made a bad choice, never forget, we serve the God of the second chance. When you've made a bad choice, never forget. I believe Jonah would come down off of the stands and onto the field and say, hey guys, If you've made a bad choice, I want you to never forget something. Look at me. Look at me. I've made some mistakes along the way, and I've learned that we serve the God of the second chance. We serve the God that gives us another chance. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. Let's read it together. And this is the story of Jonah. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go to the great city of Nineveh. And preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. 
God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I have a purpose for your life. Jonah, I want to use you. Jonah, I want to use you beyond what you could ever even imagine. I want you to go and make a difference for me in the city of Nineveh. I got a great calling and a great purpose on your life. I want to tell somebody today that God does not make junk. God puts purpose in every single one of his designs. That every one of us has the fingerprint of God on our life. Regardless of our background, regardless of where we come from, that God's purpose and fingerprint is upon us. That just like Jonah, God has a call for us too. Jonah's call was uncomfortable, much like our calls as well. It was uncomfortable. God told him, I want you to go to this town called Nineveh. I want you to go there and I want you to preach to them about who I am. I want you to speak out to them. I want you to tell them about who I am, Nineveh. Nineveh was not a friendly place, though. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria at the time, and most of them were the enemy of God's people. The Ninevites were beautiful, brutal, heartless, and godless. They were not people that were, that were seemingly friendly to Jonah. They were different than Jonah. And God says, I want, you to, I want you to go to the place that may be uncomfortable along the way. God says, Jonah, I know you don't see much in the people of Nineveh, but I see incredible things in the people of Nineveh. You know, we live in a world today that uh, seems like in the last couple weeks, last couple months, man, there's all kinds of tensions that are arising in our nation. I believe the church needs to talk about it and be real and to simply say this, that we need to understand that God sees potential in every single person. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your background, but that every one of us is a child of God. And even the people you say, you know what? Man, I, I, don't, you know, I, I don't see God's purpose in that person. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. God says, no, 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 no. I see more in them than you see in them. That the church needs to be a place where it doesn't matter your background, your color of your skin, that you belong here. You belong here in this place. The church should look like a slice of heaven on earth, right? The church should be a place where, man, you come and it just, it just feels like heaven. It just looks like heaven. It's a community of believers that's like heaven on earth. God says, Jonah, I want you to go despite your prejudices, but despite what you've heard. I want you to go and I want you to preach because I have a purpose for you. But what does Jonah do? He runs away from the Lord, verse 3 says. Let's read it together. And headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship bound for that port. God told him to go to Nineveh. He chose to go to Tarshish. I have a picture of what this was looking like geographically in this day with Noah. I mean, with not Noah, Jonah. It's the wrong part of the road trip, right? That serve day still has me wore out, right? God, he was in Joppa, and he said, I want you to go to Nineveh. So notice Nineveh is to the east, but where is Tarshish? Tarshish, though Nineveh was 550 miles, Tarshish was 2,500 miles in the complete opposite direction. It would be like God saying, hey, I want you to go to Charleston. And you're like, I'm going to Seattle. You know, where's... I'm going, I'm going in the complete, complete, not just in the opposite direction, but I'm going so far in the opposite direction. Here's what I know about people that run from God. If you're running from God in some area of your life, we all run from God to the strangest places. 
We run far away. Maybe you move away. Maybe you got married. Maybe you changed your appearance. Maybe you stopped being married. Maybe there's been a running in your life. Maybe you've changed friends. Maybe you've done drastic things where you're trying to to run, run away. You say, I'll show them. I'll show him. I'll show her. And we run from the sources of truth in our lives. We run from church. We, we stop reading our Bibles. We stop praying. We, we kind of run. Instead of going in the direction God wants us to go, we're like, no, no, no. I'm going to see it. I'm going in the complete, utter opposite in direction. And the Bible says whenever he decided to run, that he found a ship going to Tarshish. What I know about when we run from God is if you are looking for a way to run, you will always find one. (laughs) If you're looking for a way to get away, there's always going to be a ship going to Tarshish. If you want to gossip, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be there to, to gossip with you, you know? You got to watch who gossips about people because if they, if, you, if they let you gossip to them, then they'll gossip to somebody else about you, right? You know, like, like if you're looking for somebody to do that, like you're going to find an opportunity if you go that way. But, but not only that, but it would cost him, it cost him something. He ran in the opposite direction. He found the boat, he found the ship, and then it began to cost him something. The scripture says that he paid the fare. He paid the fare. He paid the cost to be able to go in the opposite direction. I want you to know that it's never free to run from God. It's never free. You always have to pay for it. I'm a little ADD sometimes. I'm like, squirrel, you know, see, shiny object, you know. And especially at stores. And the grocery store is the world's worst. My wife will say, hey, I want you to go get cheese, eggs, and bread. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm on my way to the cheese, eggs, and bread. And, and by, I'm, I'm filling up the cart, you know, with all this stuff, you know, because you just see it all over the place, you know. And that's kind of life, you know. It's like we're on a purpose, we're on a mission, and we fill up our life with all these other things. But at the end of the day, when whenever we go to check out, we have to deal with the things that we've put in our cart, you know. And, you know, we, we put a lot of things of the world into our life. But I want you to know there's going to be a day where we're all going to check out somebody. We're going to check out, and we're going to have to pay for what we put in our cart. We're going to have to pay for the decisions that we make, because the decisions that we make, make us. The decisions that we make put us on the path to the life that we have, to the life that we will have, to the future in our life. So he went, he sailed for Tarshish, the Bible says. But verse 4 says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. This is so fascinating to me. This is crazy. Jonah's running from God. This huge storm comes up. You talk about chaos. You know, the other day we had a storm come through here, right? Could you imagine what it would be like to be on a storm in the ocean, you know, where, where you're just, you don't know if you're going to live. You don't know if you're going to die. It's chaotic situation galore. And then here's Jonah just like sleeping in the boat, you know? You know, isn't it funny how when we're running from God and all there's chaos in our lives and usually like we're the last people to notice, like we're sleeping, you know, like, I don't know why this is happening. You know, and everybody else around you is like, man, what, you know, I'll tell you why it's happening. 
You know, we're usually the last people to see the correlation between our chaos and our calling, you know? That if you're not fulfilling that calling on your life, I want to tell you there's some chaos that's happening right now. You know, God's saying, wake up, understand that the decisions you're making, these bad choices, Jonah, it's not only affecting you, but it's affecting the people around you. It's affecting people all around you, Jonah, and you don't even realize it. So verse 12 says, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. So he realizes this is why that the sea has been roaring. This is why the chaos has been taking place. He says, it will become calm. He says, watch this. He says, I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Noah begins, Jonah begins to teach us. Jonah begins to teach us, what do we do whenever we make a bad choice? Here's the first thing. When you make a bad choice, you need to take responsibility for your life. That's your first blank. Take responsibility for your life. What I love about Jonah, he says, you know what? I made the mistake. I, I, I own it. I realize it. I recognize that, that yes, I, I, I've made a bad choice and I've, made, I, I've done the wrong thing. I'm going to take responsibility for my life. You know, we are masters as humans of putting the responsibility of our life on everybody else, aren't we? Coach John Wooden made this statement. He said, if you're not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. You're not a failure in life until you start blaming others for your mistakes. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. I want to ask you today, are you taking responsibility for your life? Are you taking responsibility for your family? Are you taking responsibility for your career? Are you taking responsibility for your health? Are you taking responsibility? Or, is, or, or, or are you playing the blame game? Because we can all do it. One of, my, one of my favorite quotes on this subject is from Ben Franklin, and he made the statement. He said that he who is good at making excuses is, is seldom ever good at anything else. That if we're good at making excuses, usually we are, we're, we're not able to do anything else in our life. What are we making excuses for? Because many times irresponsibility is nearly impossible to see in the mirror. You know, we are, we're all just like Jonah. We're many times on a boat, on a ship. We have people around us that, that, that they are watching what's happening. And I want to I challenge you, and this is a big, tall glass of water. I want, you to, I want to challenge you to talk to some people that are on your boat with you and ask them what's happening. Like, where do you see, what, where, where do you see me? Like, like, am I running? Is, what, what's happening in my life? Because irresponsibility is hard to see in the mirror. I challenged um, our team not too long ago to, to ask a hard question. It's simply this. Ask someone close to you or a couple someone's close to you. Ask them this question. What is my reputation? Like ask them, what is my reputation? And I asked the question and I didn't want to ask the question, you know? Like, what is my reputation? Is it, do I have a reputation that's not? Because it's, it's so hard to see our reputation in the mirror because we look at ourselves through our motives. We look at ourselves through, man, I meant to do the right thing. But everyone else sees, they're like Jonah. They're like those people on the boat. They're like, Jonah, why are you sleeping? Duh, like, just own it. Take responsibility for it, you know? 
Be willing to allow some people to come into your life. That's why we have small groups here. Because we, we want to help you get in those type of relationships where you can have some conversations so that you don't make the bad decisions like Jonah made. Here's the second thing that Jonah did that was incredible. Jonah chapter 2 verse 9, he says, What I have vowed I will make good. In other words, saying, God, I'm going to go and do what you initially told me to do. Here's the second point. is We need to repent and turn away from our bad choice. We need to repent and turn away from it. So whatever bad choice that you've made or are making, own it first. Say, yeah, that's me. I'm not proud of it. I'm going to be real about it. I want to get some help with it. I want to make restitution. But, but next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn in the absolute opposite direction. He says, hey guys, I, I, I do not want this anymore. And he says to God, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. And God prepares another ship. This one is a fish though. And God begins to take him in the other direction. And God begins to take him in the direction of his purpose. And Jonah's saying, I'm so sorry, I want to repent and go in the opposite direction. See, that's what the word repent means. You know, we say in the American army, we say about face, right? But if you ever go to London and you, you're watching a formation of, 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 of people in the military marching, they're gonna, instead of saying about face, they're gonna say repent, which is so funny to me because I always think, you know, people get on their knees, Lord, I'm so sorry for anything they've ever done. You know, that's kind of what I imagine them doing, but no, because to repent literally means to turn around in the complete opposite direction. And here's the question. What in your life do you need to repent of? You say, oh, I'm saved. I've already repented. No, no, no. This is a constant lifestyle of saying, God, whatever area of my life I'm going in the wrong direction in, I want to be real. I want to repent. I want to turn around. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. It's at the bottom of your first page there. It says, repent and turn to God. I love that. Turn to, somebody needs to turn to God today so that your sins will be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Here's the third thing that we need to do that Jonah did. We need to embrace God's grace. Sometimes even talking about making bad choices, there's so much guilt and shame that just kind of comes all over you. Maybe you look at your life and you think, oh man, I just, may, I just feel like I am in a rut of bad choices. I want to tell you today, this is not a self-help um, seminar that you're a part of today. This is not something where I'm going to try to convince you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And if you can be strong enough and you can be and you can do this, I'm not telling you this at all. I'm telling you this, that if you'll come to Jesus, if you'll embrace his grace, he'll give you the power to do what you could never do. He'll give you the power to do what you couldn't have done in the last 10 years. He'll do things and he'll make up time that you couldn't have. You say, God, you could never use me. It's too far gone. I've made too many mistakes. God says, no, I can do something in a moment that'll take someone else a lifetime. Like I'm still the God that turns water into wine. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus's first miracle was to turn water into wine. If you know anything about winemaking, you know this, that wine doesn't happen overnight. Wine takes a process. Wine, fine wine, which the Bible says these people were so impressed with the quality of the wine, the finer it is means that more time that it took. So what was it, a 10-year wine or a 30-year wine? But in Jesus's first miracle, he took water and he turned it into fine wine. 
It wasn't just the water to wine. It was the fact that wine takes time. Wine takes fermentation. Wine is the thing that takes years and years and years to establish. And what a God, what a, what a, what a miracle. Here's what God can do in your life and my life too. The things that you feel like it's too far gone, it could never happen. Oh, that would take like 30 years. God says, yes, watch what I can do. I can turn your water into wine. I can take the thing that should take 30 years and I can do it in five minutes. I can do what you could never do. Embrace God's grace. Embrace the grace of God. Don't let the enemy of your soul tell you that what you're not. Embrace the grace of God. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The second time. The word of God's coming to somebody the second time. I believe there's somebody in this place, you have a call of God on your life. Like God called you, it may have been years ago. It may have been something that you suppressed for many, many years. I want you to know that the grace of God will embrace you today. And you don't have to be defined by the last how many years of denying that call, but you can actually still do everything that God's called you to do if you'll embrace His grace. Don't just embrace your past, embrace your sin, embrace the grace of God that says you can still be everything that I've called you to be. The Bible says the, the gifts and the calls of God are irrevocable. In other words, it's without repentance. That's what the King James says that I learned as a kid. In other words, God says, if I called you, you're ever called. If I ordain you, you're ever ordained to do what I've called you to do. If you'll embrace my grace, if you'll walk in my grace... I want to give you just some coaching, just teachable moments under this idea. And here's the first one. Don't let bad choices define you. Don't, don't walk around with the, feel like you have to walk around with a scarlet A on your chest forever for a mistake that you've made in your past. God does not define you by your past. God defines you by who you are in Christ. He defines you not by what you've done, but by what Jesus has done. I have great respect for 12-step programs and rehab programs. I, I honestly do. I've seen so many people helped and blessed. But I, I do have one issue along the way that many of those type programs, you have to sit and define yourself by your past for the rest of your life. Hi, my name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And there's just something inside of me that, 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 that just, rubs, it just rubs raw every time I think about it. Because I want you to know, I, here's what I want to say. Hi, my name is John, and I used to be an alcoholic, but now I'm saved by the grace of God. Now I'm able but now I'm sober. Now God's hand is on my life. You don't have to be what you once were. You don't have to walk around feeling like, oh, look, at everybody knows about my past. Or we're in a new church and you say, I don't want anybody to know about my past. You know, I come to the new church because all the people in the old church knew about my past, you know. But I come to the new church, nobody knows my past, so I'm just going to kind of lay low somebody, you know. Don't let your past define you. We're not going to let your past define you. Embrace the grace of God. Here's the second thing. Don't let your bad choices disqualify you. I said it earlier. Romans eleven twenty nine. God's gifts and God's call can never be withdrawn. God says, God says, you're not disqualified because you've made a mistake. God specializes in using broken people. There'd be no Bible if God didn't use imperfect people. There, there, there'd be not one story in the Bible except the life of Christ. There would be no one to write the gospel because the gospel, gospels were written by Matthew, who's a tax collector, and Luke, who was a pagan most of his life. 
not even a Jew. He didn't know much about the Bible. You know, he, 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 was, he didn't even go to seminary. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what was he doing? You know, John's too young. He had, he had issues. Had a mom that was kind of overbearing at times. You know, Samson could have never been used. You know, he, he, uh, you know, he, he was made bad mistakes with a prostitute. Rahab, man, she was a prostitute. And she became the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. You don't tell me that God doesn't specialize in using broken people. He's the God of the second chance. Warren Wearsby said, The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. I'm going to say that again. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. I want you to know God wants to use your life. Today at 6 o'clock we have our growth track session. If you're new to the church, this is... This is what we do every single month. We want to get you involved. We want, it doesn't matter your past. We want to get you involved in using your gifts and calls for God. We're having it at 6 o'clock tonight at Panera Bread. We'll buy you some dinner. We'll have a good time. We'll, we'll discover your gifts and your personality and all these great things. And we'll, we'll let you get in the game. We'll let you get moving and using your gifts and calls and abilities. Sometimes you walk in church and you're like... You know what? How do I see people singing? I see people pre like how do I even get involved? What do they even like what do I even do? I want to help you with that. Like I want to say this is how you get involved. This is this is how you step through. This is how you start allowing that calling to come out in your life. That's tonight at 6 and I would love 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 for you to be a part of that. So what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? You made some bad choices. Jonah, is God done with you? And absolutely not. God says, I still have a calling. I still want to use you. I still want to put my hand on you. This is the amazing thing. Jonah is not a Bible hero. Jonah had issues. To the very end, Jonah had issues. You read, it's only, it's a quick read. Read the book of Jonah. It, you'll, be, you'll end with kind of like feeling like you need to, some Pepto-Bismol. You're like, oh, that's kind of, ugh. God, why don't you put that in there? Because he still had issues. He was still prejudiced. He still had problems. He didn't even want, like he preached. He was, I like to call Jonah the worst preacher that ever lived. I used to have a message I preached, a word from the worst preacher that ever lived. Because <laughs> Jonah, he went and preached to people he didn't even love. He just stood in the street real lackadaisical and said, 40 days, God's going to destroy the city. And I don't even care, you know. And whenever that one word comes, the Bible says the king ripped his garment, puts on sackcloth and ashes, begins to repent. They, they go on a fast. They seek God. And that whole city turned to God just because of the pre... You talk... Noah, Jonah is a story about the grace of God. So is Noah. <laughs> this sermon may be called the Noah Jonah. <laughs> so how do we safeguard against making bad choices? Here's the first one. Use God's word to guide you. You're going to make bad choices consistently if you do not get you, yourself in the word of God. Consistently. Not just reading the Bible randomly. You know, not just opening it and just kind of letting it fall. That can be dangerous. It's like the one man, he opened his Bible and he went to the part that says Judas killed himself. He's like, what does that mean, God? And then he opened it up to the next part. It says, go and do that likewise. He's like, okay, this is weird. And then he goes one more scripture and Jesus says, what thou doest, do thou quickly. 
Or like, the, or like the preacher, he was new in town. He was door knocking, knocking on people's doors, trying to get them to come to church. And he went to someone's door. He kind of kind of figured she was there. I don't know if you've ever done this kind of thing before. But uh, he knocked on her door, and he kind of knew someone was in, but nobody answered the door. And so he took his little business card out, and he wrote on it, you know, he wrote, he wrote on it, um, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 20. And it says, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And, and then he goes to church, and then uh, he, goes, he goes to church on Sunday. And then after church, that same business card uh, is given back to him through it through one of the ushers and it says right underneath it it says Genesis chapter 3 verse 10 and uh and here's what the two (laughs) scriptures were the first one says behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice open the door I'll come into him and sup with him and then Genesis chapter 3 says um I heard your voice um I heard your voice but I hid myself because I was naked (laughs) This is what I read. I brought it today. I take it most places if you see me throughout the, throughout the week. I have this. It's a one-year Bible. I want to challenge you to get in the Bible, whatever that means for you. We have all kinds of reading plans on our church app. It's free. It'll read the Bible to you. Or if you can go to cityhills.com, we have the one-year Bible on there. Or I'll, I'll, we have, this is just a simple way, just a little bit of Psalms, a little bit of Proverbs, New Testament, Old Testament, every single day. Here's the deal. We're going to consistently make bad choices if we don't get in the Word of God. The Bible says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. You don't have to read the whole Bible before next Sunday, please. But if you just get a little bit of that word, a little bit of that light, just just a little bit of word, a little bit of light. Before you go to work, a little bit of word, a little bit of light. Before you get that bad news tomorrow, a little bit of word, a little bit of light. Before you deal with that doctor's appointment tomorrow, a little bit of word, a little bit of light. You know, you're going to find that... Throughout all the things in life, God's going to begin to give you some wisdom. Get in the Word. Get in it consistently. Get in something where you can say, okay, God, I'm going to do it even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to be consistent in this because I want God's Word. Here's the second thing. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need God's leading and guiding every single day. And God wants to give us wisdom. The Holy Spirit wants to give us wisdom every single day. And and we just need to ask every day. A little bit of word, a little bit of light, and a little bit of saying, God, I just need you to give me wisdom today. Holy Spirit, would you come? In light of my past experiences, my current circumstance, my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? That's a good thing to think about every single, what's the wise thing to do? Every day, what's the wise thing to do? God, a lot of times we want to say, is it right or wrong? Am I going to go to heaven or hell if I do it? <laughs> the, the keyboard turned off. I apologize. This may turn into a dance party before we're done. <laughs> I like it. List, list the message a little bit, you know. What's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? Holy Spirit, what's the wise thing to do? You know, a lot of times we want to say, oh, what's it right? it's not right or wrong. God didn't say I couldn't do it. But a lot of times, something may not be, quote unquote, right or wrong, but it could be wrong for you because of your past. Or it could be wrong for you because you got a present circumstance that's not wise. Or it could be wrong because, man, you got some future hopes and dreams. There are a lot of decisions that I, things I do not do that I could do because I have two little boys that they're coming up in my house and other people may hear me preach on Sunday, but you know what? They, 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 what I do in my home 
what they see me watch or not watch or, or drink or don't drink or go or don't go or do. And then I want them to rise up and be men of God. And that's not gonna happen unless God would give me some strength and wisdom to make some choices. And maybe countercultural, but it's for God. Here's the third thing, and we're done today. Seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. Man, every one of us make bad decisions when we get alone. We need some people that we can say, people that have been there. The scripture has people that have been there. But it says, he that walks with the wise will grow wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. Do you have anybody in your life that you can go to with some wisdom, that has wisdom? Not a peer, not someone with advice. There's nothing wrong with that. We all need peers. We all need people that can give us advice. But do you have some people that they've already been through what you're going through and they have wisdom, godly wisdom? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed.